raise your hand if you love sneakers. I can just imagine how many hands are in the air waving like they just don't care. Sneakers are comfortable, they're cool, and they're everywhere. But it's easy to take this ubiquitous footwear for granted. And also, there's so much choice and hype out there. What's a cool hunter to do? How does a top sneaker collector think about curation? And how might being plus size influence one's curatorial journey? That's today's episode. Welcome to The Art of Curation, the show from Flipboard that explores the role of human taste in a tech-driven world. Each episode, we talk to someone who's an expert at finding signal in the noise. People who do this for a living in media, tech, fashion, music, and more. I'm your host, Mia Qualiarello. Like you, I get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of content out there. I crave authentic people to guide me in making smart choices that make my life better. People with taste, the real kind. My guest today isn't just a sneaker curator with thousands of pairs. She is a sneaker historian with a deep love of hip-hop, a plus-size advocate, and an amazing community builder for women who love sneakers. I can't wait for you to meet Jasmine Jixie Gonzalez, the creator and founder of the Curvy Kicks platform and the co-founder of the In Her Souls Collective. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. You know, I've never talked to a sneaker curator here before. So when I was thinking about what questions to ask you, I was like, I thought the first question should be like, what don't I know about what it takes to be a successful curator in this space? Um, I think for the most part, um, just to introduce myself, I've been collecting sneakers since I was a kid. You know, I'm second generation sneaker collector in my family. My parents really like sneakers. They grew up in the hip hop era in the middle of New York City while hip hop was just like emerging. So fashion and sneakers was a big part of their life. So um, I organically just gravitated towards sneakers and just always just love footwear. Um, my earliest memory of asking for a pair of sneakers was about six years old. So I have about a 30-year collection. So I have pieces that span uh, over the last three decades um, that held up pretty well too. Um, and I think, you know, what it takes to first build a collection like mine is versatility. So I think first going into like all brands um, and then everyone has their own unique driving force behind what drives their collections. So like for me, it was always like technology, color, materials, um, the uniqueness about each sneakers, um, collaborations, concepts. So those types of things really drive my personal collection, but everybody has uh, something different that they love about sneakers that drives their collections. A 30-year collection, that's amazing. What are some of the gems in there? Um, I think like some notable ones that uh, excite people are like my Michael Jackson LA Gears uh, that have him moonwalking on the tongue. Um, I think uh, I have a city pack uh, from Nike of wedges when wedges were really popular that um, each of the sneakers represent a different fashion hub in the world. So you have Milan, Paris, New York, and the sneakers concepts are um, the materials and the uh, hardware on the sneakers represent something iconic from those countries. So Paris, they put Parisian tweed on the sneakers. Um, 
for Tokyo, for Japan, they put a hologram on the sneaker and also they put like um, to represent technology and they put some other cool different um, for England. They have um, tartan, the whole sneaker is tartan print. So I thought that's really cool. And also some Reebok I have. I have some Reebok that is really like a staple or commitment to women, Um, you know, from when they started the freestyle sneaker. That's the first sneaker for women. So it's an important sneaker. And throughout the years, they've uh, collaborated, uh, conceptualized and created uh, those sneakers in all kinds of different lights. And I have quite a few different, very meaningful uh, pairs like the uh, music pack. I have a punk pair that has all kinds of scribble and and design from uh, the 80s punk era in New York City. So those are really cool. And when you say you have a meaningful pair, is the point to wear those or to preserve those? Oh, my philosophy is to wear them all. So, you know, unlike traditional definition of collecting where you just accumulate, you know, in sneaker collecting, it's to accumulate and wear. Um, you know, the finality of of collecting the art is to style it and to make it yours and to make a statement. And I believe that wearing them is when I make that statement and when I really curate the art. Because uh, for me, it's not just about the sneaker. It's about the whole fashion and and it's about the whole fit and it's about the whole piece that I'm putting out there while highlighting this shoe. So it's like, What's the shirt I'm going to wear with the Michael Jacksons? You know, what's the what's the bag that's going to go with the, the Virgil Abloh's? So it's like, you know, that's part of the curation. Dallas Penn, a very respected sneaker collector, he calls it outfit architecture. And <laughs> it's something that um, I consider the finalization of, of a pair of sneakers is, is the architecture that it's a part of when when we're done with it. So no, I just don't collect them and keep them on a shelf having a 30-year collection i know that they they will eventually ruin (laughs) they'll eventually dissolve and and crumble and deconstruct so it's really important to wear them when you have them how many pairs do you have in your collection i have a lot i'm in like the four digit (laughs) club um (laughs) you know i try not to lead with that Mm. um one of the things is is like I feel like, especially in the culture, people are very sensitive about, you know, incoming people coming in and welcoming them, but also how we treat our veterans. So it's like having too many is not a good thing. You know, we become oversaturated, overused, overlooked. And also it makes people feel less than. And the whole purpose is not to have a lot. Uh, You can have a collection of 50 pairs that are really great curated pairs, Let's say you have all panda sneakers. Ah, I would respect that so much. Or you have 100 of the best Converse ever. That's an amazing collection. So it's not really volume that makes a collection. It's what's the uniqueness or the rarity of it. Got it. And how do you decide what goes into your collection? I'm sure there's hundreds of sneakers that come out every year. At this point, I think I'm just evolving my collection of what I already have. So there are certain fundamentals that I really like. So... I love basketball sneakers. I love sneakers that are collaborations between um, hip hop artists and sneaker brands because I love hip hop music. I love rap. Um, I love iconic sneakers that have um, a place in women's history and our timeline. So anything that's a signature model for women. I love technology. So I love how we've advanced using certain materials like fly knit, prime knit, 
I love uh, how they use intricate technology from running sneakers that are now in basketball sneakers. I love how we use self-lacing, auto-lacing. So I really like technology. So that's a big piece that's driving like the collection now. And we're in a space now where a lot of hype is very pricey and a lot of um, sneakers that were hype at one point, but maybe are aging are better in price at this time. So I'm like kind of going backwards now and collecting pieces that I've wanted um, that are maybe better priced now. Where do you learn about what's coming out and where do you acquire the pieces? So uh, before we had social media um, and before we had the internet, you know, I used to look at catalogs to see what sneakers were coming out. So like East Bay and I used to travel throughout New York City. I used to go to different sneaker stores. So I want to say like late 90s. Brooklyn had sneakers that Manhattan didn't have. Manhattan had sneakers that the Bronx didn't have. Bronx had sneakers that Harlem didn't have. So these boroughs became known for certain sneakers. Like on white Air Force One is called an uptown in New York. Why? Because that's where it's predominantly was sold and worn during a certain, a certain point. So that is something that as I was coming up and growing up, I just learned to go around, look for sneakers. And then also I had some resources that were catalogs. I used to read the catalogs really well and it would show the specs and the performance features. That got me really smart in sneakers, that right there. Plus in high school, I studied materials and textile design. So from there, I was just like, I really could just look at a sneaker, see what it's made of, see if it was quality, see if I wanted it. Um, As we evolved and now we have uh, we had a Nike forum when the internet was very young. It was a Nike ISS talk. Um, we used to post in the forum and kind of trade sneakers through there. We started building a network of people all over the United States and even some in like Japan and the Netherlands and the Philippines in a very early culture, like very early sneaker culture. These were the places that were very significant to trading and getting sneakers. And, um, created just some network of friends um, who, when I don't keep a sneaker, I would sell to them. They didn't keep a sneaker, they'd sell to me. And this wasn't for resale. These were almost at retail value. So we weren't on the resale tip at that time or the resale game. But as we've evolved, um, now you see a, a you see blogs everywhere blogging about sneakers. And when I look at them, some of these, I really don't look at too many blogs, but when I look at them, I see that they're all posting the same sneakers. Those sneakers may not be aligned with what I collect or in my collection. I still really go back to the brands and look at the product that's coming out. And I look at the site. So I look at a lot of the Nike Jordan brand, New Balance. Like I'll go directly to their sites. I sign up for their newsletters so that I can see what's coming out. There's also certain calendars that I keep and maintain. Um, once I know when a sneaker is coming out, um, just to remind myself if I want to get it, um, I'm very invested into this, um, from both a consumer standpoint and a cultural standpoint. So this is something that drives both the culture and, and the buying. How do I know if it's, if it's going to be a hit? It's very just intuitive, just through years and years of experience and knowing if a color is, is a very hype color. So like anything that's a classic Chicago Bulls colorway would have a high value. Some uh, signature details like a 
band X mark or a cement print can probably also be a real hit uh, for any new sneakers. Certain collaborations are always a, a, a knockout. So it's just like a little bit of just past history, knowing that, knowing the trends and just being intuitive. And then just the basic, if I like it. So I have a lot of sneakers that are not hype and I just really liked it. And 10 years down the line, people are like, wow, those are like so amazing. That's because they were overlooked because they were not hype. Is it ever like really cutthroat or stressful? Like you're like, I must get this for my collection. And then it, they sell in like seconds. Is it stressful? No, for me, <laughs> I mean, I, I have a, I'm, I'm blessed in this sneaker game. Like I know how to get a sneaker when I want it. I never rely on an app to give me a sneaker. I'm one of those people that um, I've been in this too long to rely on an app to to get a sneaker. I've probably hit on that app once this year. If I <laughs> if I had to rely on the app, then I'd have I wouldn't have a collection. So I come from an old era that I just have a beautiful network and a beautiful way to um, get through sneakers. And I really like some of the resale apps as well. So some of the resale apps, if um, if I'm doing a a decent bid and then I'm $20, $30 over box price, I don't mind paying that to somebody who went out their way to buy the sneaker and receive it. But I think that the stress comes from where people don't know how to how to get the sneakers in other ways. Take me through how you style sneakers with clothes. Um, I have I dress from the feet up. So <laughs> that's awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a mood. So if, um, if it's the summer, I'm not going to wear any sneakers that are, um, not so breathable. I want a nice breathable sneaker so I could feel fresh and I could feel, um, like my feet are not getting hot. Um, so there is a certain technical process that I look at when picking sneakers and then it's the mood, it's the vibe. So it's like, if it's a color, if I'm looking for a color or if I'm looking to, to wear really, um, I love dresses. I love skirts. So if I'm looking to wear a certain skirt, then I know I have certain sneakers that are for those skirts. Um, so it really just starts with looking at the sneaker, seeing my mood and then running into my closet and seeing what I have for that sneaker. Uh, it, it also requires a lot of the time. Um, it includes, I stand in my sneaker room, not knowing what to wear, overwhelmed, and then running out saying, I don't have a sneaker. <laughs> You must get compliments every day when you're out and about. Um, I do get compliments, you know, and it's something that I think is subjective. Some people would say, I have a few people who tell me some sneakers are really ugly, actually. So they'll be like, oh, God, you own those? Those are terrible. Um, I wore a pair of sneakers this weekend, which I consider ugly myself. Um, <laughs> but there's something so, I don't know, there's something so nice about the color and, and the straps and just the way it looked. And someone came up to me and was like, those look really nice on you. I didn't like them, but they look nice on you. And I think sneakers, a really great point to make is like, you can look at a sneaker on a shelf. It'll look different on me and it'll look different on you. And one of the greatest things about sneakers is that it, it becomes our own. It, we can make it a signature for our style. And I think that's like super key with um, when figuring out what you want to wear, what your personal sneaker style would be. And you've described yourself as, quote, somewhere on the corner of plus size sportswear and sneaker culture. So how does <laughs> the plus size influence how you think as a curator? 
I, I'm I'm so impressed by that question because um, that's something that I've presented. Like that's my narrative throughout. I don't know the last 10, 15 years, um, and not many people, even in the industry, have really understand where what that intersection really is about. So I often question and ask myself, you know, I've always loved fashion. And as a kid, you know, growing up a teenager, I was always a big girl. Fashion did not love me back. There were not many options for me at the time. So I often question, would I be as big of a sneakerhead as I am if fashion loved me as much as I loved it? My only option at some points was a sweatsuit and some fresh sneakers. So I think being plus size, actually, that's where I felt comfortable in fashion was always through sneakers. That's where I was able to still be popular, still be super stylish, still be part of um, uh, a culture that says, wow, you look fly. It's through my sneakers. And you've also founded um, with your partner, Yaya, in Her Souls Collective, which is about celebrating sneaker culture celebrating women in sneaker culture. Why was this important for you to also, you know, embrace the female side of this? Yeah. So I co-founded Inner Souls with um, my friend and my partner, um, Yaya Mazurkovich Nunez. She, she's brilliant. And she is, has, she's been in marketing and sportswear for many, many years. And she's also a collector and she just has a high passion for it. And when I met her, I'm, as you can hear, very passionate about my sneakers as well, but from two different angles. And we decided that there was no place to educate women, um, to highlight some of these sneakers, to leave a legacy, and to continue to bring in other channels and use sneakers as a vehicle to uplift the voices of the women in this space. So we decided to create this just, I don't know, multifaceted, multi-hyphenated, just multi-space to continue to work through a lot of uh, what's not right in the industry, but also to highlight what is right and what we believe in and what we want to do. So this has been um, a great experience and shout out to our whole team. Um, We have a team of just amazing uh, minds. all top of their game, who really uh, assist us in moving and and doing some of these groundbreaking initiatives. We had a Jordan brand tea party, which uh, was a tea party where all the women wore Jordans. And it's part of our lifestyle. We wear dresses and sneakers and we celebrate them in very tastefully. So (laughs) it was super appropriate for us. But I've been... um, doing events for women since 2015 was the first female sneaker event. Um, That was um, an Air Max event. And then I moved on to writing. I I wrote a lot in the space um, and I blogged a lot about the injustices and the cultural phenomenons that go on in sneaker culture, especially from the women's perspective, Um, not having enough signature models, um, not caring enough about other brands, um, about being versatile, um, why some collaborations are important for women. So it's been something that, um, I've worked on for a long time. I've been a voice in the sneaker community for a long time. And then I stood on my soapbox for plus size women. 
I created the first plus size campaign in the sportswear space for women, the first visuals. So it's important to see uh, plus size women and to resonate with them and to be relatable. So it's something that um, I've dedicated my, my life to. I'm releasing a platform next month called Curvy Kicks. Um, that's my next initiative. And that is the space for plus size women and sneakers. What's the vibe you want to create with Curvy Kicks? So with Curvy Kicks, um, first it's bilingual English and Spanish because there's not enough resources in Spanish for plus size women in sneakers. There's no resources in Spanish for plus size, period. With Curvy Kicks, it's really me. Um, So the vibe is really just sharing my personal stories through my product, through the sneakers, um, through being a consumer. So sharing these stories and um, showcasing and highlighting the things that fuel me and my perspective, my perspective on culture, my perspective on product, because we, I've been in the game for so long. Um, I have a really valuable voice and I really want to move the brands to see how plus size can look in other ways besides what they market and what they show. So I really want to show them what a, a different narrative looks like. Uh, for plus size women. But I also get to represent for the women and for that woman who has not been selected for uh, a brand partnership, not selected for a campaign, not hired for a an event because of her size. Yeah. When you talk about style, I think about taste. And I'm wondering if you think if taste is something that can be learned. In sneakers, yes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So in sneakers, you know, taste, we acquire taste based on our surroundings, our environment. Um, so a sneaker that's popular in the suburbs of Long Island may also be popular in Beverly Hills or Orange County. A sneaker that is popular in the projects in Brooklyn, New York, can be the same popular sneaker that is um, doing very well on Melrose. So now how do you acquire that taste is through who you're surrounded by. So if you're surrounded by music execs, you know, record execs, now we're all intermingled, you know, actors, um, doctors, you know, all these different people celebrate sneakers, buy sneakers. So it's depending who you're around and then you kind of develop a taste based on who you're around and, and your environment. Because there are sneakers that are popular in London, Europe, and Japan that are not popular in America. And there's sneakers that are popular in America that overseas may not be may not be it. So it's all about locality as well. So there's so many different factors that can influence your taste to ultimately develop your personal style. So for wannabe sneaker curators out there, what qualities do you think they need to excel at this? First one is always like my fundamental versatility. Um, Mm. You can always spot a person who's a poser based on, you know, when you look at the wall behind them and they're showcasing all this ultimate, a beautiful collection, right? So what makes it beautiful is um, the shelving, um, the colors that pop out. So when you look at this, Normal people, most people would see, wow, they have a lot of sneakers, a beautiful collection. What I see is the last years 
sneakers all on one shelf. So to me, that's not really a curation. You went out as a consumer and just bought what other people liked. Personality in a collection is really what tells me that you love sneakers and there's something about it that you love. So a personality in the collection, characters in the collection, um, things that are unique to that person. So like I said before, there's people that have just all converses or they love a certain sneaker that's against popular opinion. Those are the disruptors. Those are the people that have a curation. Most people just buy sneakers as a consumer to put on a wall. There's a big difference between a curator of a collection and there is a difference between just somebody who's buying sneakers. They're going to love it for a few years and then they're going to sell their collection and drop out and just not feel it anymore. And there's people that will have this passion for their whole life. Who are some sneaker collectors that you admire? First, I want to start off with um, my friend and my business partner, Yaya. She's big on matching her bags with her kicks. <laughs> you know, she she has a bag collection as well as sneakers. And I love how she she elevates the style of her sneakers, you know, wide legs, jewelry, trench coats. So she's somebody that I admire the way she wears her sneakers. My her grail sisters, they her grails special hellos to Miss Tasha. Um her Grails is a agency, a community. Tasha just does events and activations. But she puts together a group of women who inspire, influence, and travel annually. And they are all like amazing women who love sneakers, love style. Uh, Genevieve Chanel is somebody who has like just a beautiful, beautiful collection on Instagram if you get a chance to see what she has. Kixology, Elise. Um, one of the baddest to ever do it. Jen Twice, um, she is another female collector, OG collector like me, insane collection. I'm Simply B. Bianca has an uh, awesome collection. Sally Sneakers, she's overseas. She has a, a beautiful, versatile collection. A lot of um, overseas drops too. And then, you know, there's so many men that do it and do it at such a high level. But I want to highlight the women who excite me because for a long time, I was not excited by other women in sneakers. And it was just like a few of the women I named now that were really out there and, and taking pictures and participating in the online culture for everyone to see. And you can see just they have like beautiful curations that are their own and you know, we don't we don't all have the same sneakers. We have very different collections and very different tastes. Um, and there's so many factors that drives that. But I respect everyone's uh, personal style. And to see some of these magnificent collections together is what really excites me. What do you think was the tipping point for many women to have more visibility and to get more involved in the sneaker culture? I think there's been a few points in in our timeline that have like boomeranged us and, and catapulted us forward. And most recently, what excited us and what drove us to the next level, which is where we are now, was COVID. So I think during COVID, when the world shut down, 
And we all just sat there and stared at each other and looked at all these sneakers we have. The next question to ask was, how do we create? How do we create? What do we create? How are we inspired? And I believe so many women, you know, Kia Kodoma came out with, you know, popped out with artwork and all of these different hair designs. And yeah, they've done it for even longer than that. But I think during COVID is when you sat down and just marinated in their work, admired their work. Um, Henny kicks it. Um, She does the nail art to match her sneakers. And you got to really enjoy that during COVID. And one of the things that also pushed us forward is these different platforms. So Twitter spaces, clubhouse, hearing people speak. So the people that post, you know, great photos may not be the best speakers, but then you have people that come through these different platforms and speak so eloquently about sneakers. And you're like, but who are you? Where you came from? Like, you know, so much. So it's always so exciting to, to enter these new platforms as a sneaker collector and, and indulge. But that's really the most recent time period that pushed us forward. You know, also going backwards to before that, Me Too movement, you know, inequality uh, for women. Um, that really raised an awareness in the sneaker culture and in the sneaker world industry and the brands to how do we elevate this woman? How do we include this woman? You know, this generation is starting to look at, they're not starting, they look at contextual strategy of these brands, right? So they look at how many women work at Nike? How many women work at Jordan Brand? Who's designing? Is it a woman? Is it a man? They're really looking at gender and making sure that we're equal out here. And that's only going to progress even further until they can see women as key decision makers in the brands, which I know they are not because I could see plus size is still not where it should be. Most women understand where plus size needs to be. Men really don't or may not. Um, Same thing for some of the sneakers that come out. Women know what, what we want. So the key decision makers need to be the women um, so they can lead us to our next revolution, our next progression in sneakers. I'm so so surprised that this is so recent. I thought you were going to take me back to wow. like the dawn of social media. So no. it's nope. <laughs> amazing to hear. We are, we are the last. And you know what? Um, it's only been in the last, I want to say, four to five years that an effort has really been made to make more sizing for sneakers. Like there was this whole pink it and shrink it. Um, it was like a, it was a pink it and shrink it movement that was going on. It was just like women wanted sneakers. Brands just made a pink and small from the men's <laughs> versions. Women got really hip to that and tired of it. And they wanted better. They wanted more. They wanted more creative. So it's very recent. Because if we think about the culture itself, sneaker collecting and the culture of collecting sneakers was deemed a culture not too long ago. So before we were just consumers like everyone else. But as we develop the language, we have holidays, we have events that are, you know, celebrations to us. We've we've turned a community into a culture. And that culture is very young. You know, it's younger than hip hop, even though it came up at the same time, one influenced the other. So the music inspired the the style 
to then evolve into a subculture, which is the sneakers. And this is where we are now. So nope, we're a baby. The culture is a baby. And the online culture, furthermore, is is a baby. When I was growing up, being called a sneakerhead was not a good thing. Um, it was uh, a term to to say that you don't know anything but sneakers. So you just like eat, breathe and sleep sneakers and you don't know anything else. So it was a derogatory term. I've learned um, through the eras to embrace it. And I use it a lot now, actually. But um, I had to break out of that like mold of where that word originated from and how they used to use it before. Since you have this long view of sneaker history, I'm wondering what sneakers would you put in a Hall of Fame? Um, I always say that I, if I can narrow it down, it, I wouldn't be a sneaker collector <laughs> if I can narrow that one sneaker right. down. I think I always narrow it down to models. Um, there are certain models that are iconic in my book, no matter what colorway or style or concept it has on it, the basic foundation, which is the model of the, the signature model of the sneaker should live in history. And there's so many of those, you know, a Reebok freestyle high first sneaker for, for women, um, had a place, you know, it was on the Grammys and it was on the hood. So it was a really versatile sneaker, Nike foam posit, uh, one of my favorites, um, Nike Air Max. So you have an Air Max 95, Air Max 97. Most people love 90s, but that's not one of my favorites. My favorite is a 95 and a 97. Um, basketball sneakers. I'm a big lover of Reebok Kamikaze 2s. Um, Nike Agassi Tech Challenges. Um, those are just iconic models. So these are sneakers that are amazing. Uh, Diodora N9000. Great sneaker, great running sneaker, great Italian quality, uh, triple leather, triple suede, beautiful. Um, when you go over to some of the collaborations that pushed us forward, you know, a Melody Asani collaboration with Reebok, um, a Laylee May with Jordan brand. So there's just different points and different sneakers that are just so iconic. So it's so hard for me to narrow to just one. Jixi, this has been one of my favorite interviews I've done for this podcast. Um, before we move on to the speed round, is there anything that you would like to talk about that we haven't touched on with regards to sneakers curation? Well, I think that I just have some thoughts off the top of my head because I was so, you know, I was so taken back by the questions that that you presented to me, which is, you know, about the art of curation. So it's like, how do you even get to a point to consider your collection a curation? You know, how do you get to the point where you look at your collection as a curation or you look at your collection as art? And I think that for the most part, it's important to just see that this is an art. It's important for people to recognize that sneaker collecting is is not about, you know, just wearing what's hype or wearing what's popular or taking pictures of it. And there are two distinct sneaker cultures, right? There's one that lives online. These are This is a community of anyone who can take a picture of a sneaker, call themselves a sneaker lover, and be welcomed into the community because sneaker community is so welcoming. They'll let anybody in as long as you say you love a sneaker. 
And then there's the real life sneaker communities, right? So these are your local communities that celebrate in sneaker stores or they hang out, you know, for us in New York, they hang out in Soho and they're on Spring Street. And these are the people, you know, for a long time. And they're not only your local store, but your friends, your resellers, the people that you sit on a stoop and talk to talk sneakers with. So there's just two different worlds. And I think what they see on the Internet, they consider that the culture that's just one part of it. The broader culture is also, you know, in your dynamic in your local communities. And I think it's important to highlight that and to highlight some of those points. Right. Thank you for underscoring that and mm-hmm. bringing it back to the art of curation. Absolutely. Well, now I'd love to do a little live curation with you. Um, okay. I always ask our guests what they're reading, watching, listening to that they would recommend that others experience because it, they've made their life better and brighter. Got it. So um, with Her Grails, we just went to Chicago. And what we do with Her Grails is we, uh, Tasha picks a location a year and we go explore sneaker culture. So we go and visit the local shops Um, anything that's sneaker inspired, you know, in Portland, we went to a sneaker inspired coffee shop called Deadstock, um, where they design a sneaker on your foam, on your coffee. Um, in Chicago, we went to everybody's busy, which is an appointment only coffee shop that I mean, it's woman owned is, um, minority owned, um, woman of color, which I love. Um, it is the most beautiful curation of just um, sneaker-inspired pieces and artwork, you know, from Murakamis to Cause to Supreme um, to B-Girl style, you know, books. And um, the candles is uh, Souls of a Sneaker is the, the incense holders. And it's just breathtaking to see just somebody's life curation and their life work and how much sneakers inspires them. So there's a bunch of places like these, but those are like two notable places that I just love. I think for sneakers, travel is it. If you want to really experience sneaker culture and sneakers, I think it starts with everything that is sneaker boutiques, sneaker stores, and then traveling down to sneaker inspired. So I think that that's a great way to um, culture yourself. Like anything else, you know, culture and educate yourself is to go to some of these places you know, Portland's a Mecca, you know, Japan is a Mecca, you know, in our culture. And those are great places to visit just to put yourself knee deep into the middle of it. How about musically? You said you were a hip hop fan. What is on high rotation for you these days? Um, I listen to everything from like, I'm so eclectic. It's so crazy. I say my neighbors must think I'm nuts. I go from, you know, I'll go from hip hop to EDM to Spanish music. Um, I'll go from trap drill and then I'll go to classic, you know, hip hop, Wu Tang. So it's like I'll go all over the spectrum. Um I think <laughs> this weekend I was playing a playlist and my playlist, I have a Nike playlist and it's every song that says the word Nike. And I have a Reebok playlist. It's every song that um <laughs> mentions the word Reebok. And um I love the songs in those playlists. Um but that's to show how inspired I am by sneakers in my life. For books, um, there is a book called The First Pair and the Next Pair, 
which I am featured in. Um, it's a book about uh, the first pair is women who've paved the way. And the next pair is the future, uh, you know, future women who will pave the way. Um, those are great books. Um, anything by Elizabeth Semohek. Um, uh, Elizabeth is the curator of the Beta Shoe Museum in, to, in Canada. She's like the OG sneaker historian. Um, she's a footwear historian um, who also has like a really great wealth of knowledge um, in sneakers. And I like to tap into her every once in a while. And I love how open she is. And I asked her a question. It was just like one simple question. And she was like, you want me to just to send you a piece I wrote on that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll use it for context. Just, just to drill in my brain. Like, you know, and I love how open she was just to send it to me. Like one click, like, yo, take this. And, um, it was really like the origins, like the first place a woman wore a sneaker to. And, um, and that was something that was, um, just on my mind because, you know, I was thinking about femininity and its role in sneakers, you know, from beginning of time, I'm a very deep prolific thinker in this space. Um, I really like to push the boundaries of thought and compare it and look at a timeline and a history to see where we're at now. It helps me understand where we're going. And also when I'm creating, you know, my my creations and the things that I do and the events and, and the writing and the artwork and the photos, um, it all comes from inspiration from one of these sneakers and, and a story about one of them. Uh, and I think that that has really been like um, part of the curation of the collection is is always how we tell the story. Um, because now we're in a space where everything is storytelling. And one of the most important things about my specific voice is being able to tell the story when the sneaker first came out and when, and right now where it stands, because I think that as brands re-release sneakers, they tell new stories. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was, like I said, was such an inspiring interview and I definitely want to go back and spend some time in my closet, get some more sneakers. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, sneakers are medicinal, you know, and yeah. people don't realize like sneakers are on the front row of the runway. Sneakers are on the runway. It's like, there's no need to kill your feet anymore. And there's no need to wear like, I do know women who love, love, love heels and they love it for the same reasons. I love sneakers. They love the way it makes them feel and look. The style is comfort. If you look comfortable, you're walking comfortable, then you're going to exuberate uh, and radiate in that comfort. And, you know, right now it's like, it's a great time to marinate in like what you need in terms of comfortability and really understand every sneaker is not meant for every foot. So you have to understand like your personal feet. So it's like, you know, do you pronate? Do you supinate? You know, do you have, um, you know, do you walk on the balls of your foot on your heels? So it's like all these different, um, all these different attributes contribute to if a sneaker is comfortable for you or not. Uh, see me, I have a wide, flat, fat foot and certain basketball sneakers or sneakers with a different type of arch support work for me. Also like lateral movement, my ankles roll a lot. So I like sneakers that lock me into place. So the sneakers are not just only for style. Um, you know, sometimes my knees hurt or my back hurts and I know I need to pull out a certain type of sneaker so that <laughs> I could fix that because we often think of pain, you know, from top up instead of bottom up. And um, 
yeah, sneakers are just more than just style. Sneakers have so many more things they contribute to our life. If you want to connect with Jixie, you can follow her on Instagram or TikTok at Kixie Jixie. That's K-I-X-I-E-J-I-X-I-E. Don't worry, we've put links to everything she's recommended in the Flipboard storyboard that you'll find in this show's notes. Big thank you to our audio team, Rosanna Caban and Anne Lay. If you want to find out more about Flipboard, where enthusiasts are curating stories they recommend across thousands of interests, Download the app or head over to our website at flipboard.com. Anyone can be a curator on Flipboard. Simply create an account and start flipping to share your ideas with the world. <laughs>